Welcome to the Heart of the Father podcast. We're glad you're here and able to listen in. We're praying the Lord will speak to your heart through this message and that you be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. So he got away with the Lord, 
The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord or how my, I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul in a happy state and how my inner man may be nourished. I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the Word of God and meditation on it. Now you might have thought he got up and he started to pray. He did that at the beginning and he found that until he had the fuel for the fire from the Word, that it hindered him from actually praying the way that he really wanted to engage with the Lord. And so he put the Word of God into his heart first thing in the morning, every day that he got up. And then he used that as fuel for prayer. It's powerful to pray the Word. So I admire that. Here's a quote from Crandall Miller that I like. What you feed grows and what you starve dies. You never fully satisfy anything by feeding it. You merely increase its capacity. So, for the Word of God, I will say this. If, um, if we have very sparse feeding with it, we won't have very much hunger for it. If we only sip it every now and then, or if all of the Word that we receive is from somebody else, spitting it from their head in YouTube into our head. Not as rare. It's a real thing. There's actually an, a relationship with the Holy Spirit where He will help you breathe in the Word of God to where it comes alive and it burns inside of you and it changes you Amen. and it encounters you and it makes you uncomfortable. I will say this about spiritual hunger. This, this is a real thing. If, if you want to have a comfortable life, then you're never going to really be spiritually hungry. That's wow. right. You, you can't, they, they're not compatible. Why do I say that? Because real hunger, real hunger hurts. And you can't get away from that. It hurts, it burns, it, there's longing, there's craving, there's desiring that actually hurts. And a lot of people honestly don't want it. They don't want that in their life. They want to be comfortable. How many like to be comfortable? I think we're comfortable. But in a spiritual way, in our spiritual lives, if we are resigned that we're going to just live a comfortable life, we will never have the edge of spiritual hunger that will drive us to everything that the Lord has created us for. This is, this is real. I want to show you from the verses that we go through today that that is a real thing. And that having spiritual hunger for the Word of God is essential for it to have its full way in our lives. So I want to read this passage out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23 to chapter 2, verse 3. And notice the context here. It says, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living and enduring Word of God. So get the context. He's talking about the Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, the grass withers and the flowers fall off, but the word of the Lord endures forever, according out of Isaiah 40. And this is the word which was preached to you. So this whole context is talking about the word of God. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes, <coughs> Long for, crave the pure milk of the word, 
Some translations say spiritual milk. But we know he's talking about the word because we just read all those verses leading into this which are talking about the word of God. The spiritual milk is the word of God. Long for, crave the pure milk of the word so that by it, catch this phrase. We're going to look through this passage in a little more detail. So that by it, by what? The word. By the word, you may grow in respect to salvation. You go, well, if I'm already saved, how am I going to grow into it? Are you born again? No, he's talking about ultimate salvation. So you have to get this. This is confusing to some people, but you have to grasp this to understand the theology of the New Testament. Salvation is past tense, present tense, and future tense. It's talked about in all three tenses in the New Testament. So we were saved, in one sense, when we made Jesus Christ Lord of our life. We were saved at that time, and our sins were forgiven. We were born again if we really made Jesus Lord. And then the Bible also says that we are now presently being saved in a present tense. And then it also says that when Jesus returns, we'll be saved then. That's final salvation. So all three tenses are real. And all three tenses are happen, have happened or are happening now. He's saying, if you want to grow into the full destiny of what God made you for, when you stand before him, there is no alternative than letting this word have its way in your life. We can go along as nominal Christians. We can go along as Christians who are, this is a bad word to say, leeches. <laughs> Where we feed off of other people's spirituality. We attach ourselves to people that we think are anointed and have something going on. And we go, because I'm attached to you, I'm a Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Peter. Can I tell you that the, the church world is full of spiritual leeches? I know it sounds really derogatory. I don't mean it to be a throwdown, but it's really true. We can't, just like children can't draft off of their parents' relationship with the Lord, they have to own it for themselves. We can't take somebody who's a great Bible teacher, a great Bible expositor, somebody who's passionate about the Word, and just listen to what they say, and then we leech off of their spirituality, and then here's what happens. It doesn't change our life. We might be able to spit it out to somebody else, but it doesn't transform us and make us ready. Because Jesus has a specific plan for every one of his people that he has made us for. And when we stand before him, he's going to say to each of us, what did you do with the talents that I gave you? Whether it be five, whether it be two, whether it be one, it doesn't really matter how many there are. The issue is being faithful with what he's created us for. And so... The way that we get there and grow toward that salvation moment when we see him face to face is through the living and abiding word of God. Drinking a pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. For us to grow up spiritually to be everything that God has created and destined for us to be, we cannot get there apart from the word of God. Do you agree that this text says that? Yes. Did God say that? Because yes. you're going to have to give account to him for this. 
This is not trying to be heavy, but this is reality. Now, I'm at the place in my life right now where I think about eternity a lot, and I really always have since I've been a believer. Think about what it's going to be because life goes by really fast. And now at my age, I look back and i got 14 grandchildren. And I want 25. Come on. And I'm like, God, oh, I don't know if I'll live long enough. Come on. Come on. <laughs> but we've still got a few that aren't married yet. So there is that. There is that. There's no hope. But if you have six or eight, Come on. Jesus. Yes, Dad. Don't you have 
The things that the Lord has for us, they get shaped in us by the Word of God. And the Lord began to show me, even with the, the issue of children, with both of us. My wife was ahead of me in the curve, guys. Can you say amen? Yeah. And a lot of times she's ahead. Amen. She was ahead, but she was very gracious and she didn't. Uh, she didn't try to push me in the flesh. Because that usually doesn't work for us, guys, because we're, we have fragile egos and we don't like you to tell us what to do. We want to find out for ourselves, so you have to pray for us that we'll actually get it. And the Lord began to deal with me, and we began to see in Scripture, children are not a burden. They're a blessing. They're a heritage from the Lord. This is what the Lord impressed on me. If you were the smartest person in the world, if you were the richest person in the world, if you were the most powerful person in the world, and the wisest, what would you give to your children as an inheritance? And he said, I said, your children are your parents. Mm. Yes. Do you spoil them? Mm. Yeah, but you don't get the whole aspect of, I don't make any money. He's like, I don't care. I have lots of money. Yeah. And if you get with the program, I'll make sure you're taken care of. Come on. And I've told this story before, this is real. One day along the path when we had all seven of our kids, and I was looking at when there used to be a thing where they mailed you something, and you got it you know, on paper, right? Um, Social Security would mail a statement every year. And I got that, and I'm sitting in my study, and I'm just looking at it, and I'm going down looking at the years this year, made this much and this much, and my hair stood up on end, on my arms, and I was I saw that every year that we had a child, my income went boom, 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 boom. It really did. Come on. Baby, we didn't have enough kids. <laughs> Therefore, when it is received in the heart, when we drink it, 
It imparts life into us and it produces the strength, perseverance, and solid conviction we need every day. It's not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, like a hammer which shatters the rock. He shattered the rock in my heart. I thought I had a case. I made a case and I, I literally wrote down the points and said to the Lord, this, these are the five reasons why this doesn't make any sense. He's like, let me see that list. <laughs> this is what I want. And if you do what I want, I will bless you in ways that you can want. And my destiny. I know this when I stand before the Lord. When I stand before the Lord, at least one thing that he's going to say to me, good and faithful, is about my child. Amen. Amen. Have you ever seen the calculation? Do you know how much it's going to cost to get your kids to college? Every one of my kids had braces and two of them had them twice. Come on. What, what's the odds of that? I try. No, that's real. Swallow it, 
it gets digested inside of you and it becomes part of your being. This is what happens when we feed on the Word of God. Notice that deceit and hypocrisy are mentioned along with other sins. Dishonesty and projecting a false image of ourselves will always quench spiritual hunger. We have issues everywhere. It's in our culture and in our society. We just have to be careful that we're not living an image in our Christianity. We know the right things to say, right? We all know the right lingo to say, to be an on-fire Christian. You know the words. You know, you know the buzzwords. shout about fire all the time, but in Scripture almost always it's use of judgment. <laughs> it really is. It's a purging fire. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire is only used one time. It's in uh, Matthew 3. In that passage he's saying the axe is already laid at the root. And he who's coming is going to thoroughly purge his threshing floor. He's going to Gather the wheat into his barn and he's going to burn all the chaff with unquenchable fire. John says, I'm not worthy to bear his sandal straps. I come in baptizing in water, but he baptizes in the Holy Spirit and that fire. How many want to be baptized with fire? It's purging. Come on, y'all. It really is. This is what Scripture says. I know we make up things with the Bible. That's what I'm trying to get us away from. Is actually just read it for what it says in its context and let it change us. I do pray for God's fire in my life to purge me because I want to stand before Him clean and I want the chap to be burned out of my life now rather than stand before Him with the chap in my life. Right? Who's with me? Would you rather get that out now than to stand before perfect light? And that chap still be there? I want to get it out now, so I want to be honest with the scripture. Therefore, this is James 1, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, grafted, which is able to save your souls. Same thing. You see, you have to get rid of some things. You can't allow deception. You can't allow sin. You can't allow broken relationships. This is a real thing. This is what malice is. It's, it's evil. It's hurtful to other people. You can't allow that to be in your life if you want the word to take soil, root in your soil. Because that taints the soil. I've, I've been in the landscape business for 34 years. And if the soil has been contaminated, you can't grow Everything will decline and die. The soil of our heart has to be pure. That's this. Like newborn babes, long for, crave the spiritual milk of the Word. You go, well, that's, he's writing to spiritual babies. No, he's really not. When Peter wrote this letter, these believers were, many of them, 30 years old in Christ already. They had been in Christ for a while. So he wasn't just saying... Oh, you're, I'm writing to you, newborn babies. You, you crave the word. No, he's saying everybody who's a believer, just like a baby craves and longs for and needs milk, that's the way you need to live with that craving and that longing and that hunger for the word of God. 
That's normal Christianity. That's normal relationship with God. That there is really a spiritual longing and hunger for His Word that burns inside of our soul. Here's the thing. Hunger hurts. Spiritual hunger hurts. I like this quote by John Eldridge. It's not in the book here. Um, but it just came to me earlier today. I want to read it. It has marked my life. He says this. His desire often feels like an enemy because it wakes longings that cannot be fulfilled in the moment. Passion means to suffer. That is what many Christians are reluctant. That is why many Christians are reluctant to listen to their hearts. They know that their dullness is keeping them from feeling the pain of life. Many of us have chosen simply not to want so much. It's safer that way. It's also godless. The Lord made us as his people to hunger and to thirst for him, for his word. And that means that we can't just live a comfortable life. If we want to be spiritually hungry, there's a craving. There's a longing. It's not the hunger of having a Twinkie and a grape soda in the afternoon. That's not what kind of hunger he's talking about. He's talking about the hunger where if you don't eat, you're going to starve. You're going to die. It's the kind of hunger and thirst. It's Matthew 5, right? Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they're the ones who will be filled. But that kind of hunger, it's, it's interesting. I won't try to get into too much detail, but the, the Greek language there is really interesting because... There's a way that it's phrased where it says, I don't just hunger for a bite. I hunger for the whole thing. I want it all. I'm so hungry. I've got to have all of it. I don't just want to nibble at it. And so spiritually, most Christians, honestly, and I know this sounds like a throw out. I've done this too. We've all done it. But let's just own it. We, we just want to nibble spiritually. And we kind of feel better after we have a little snack. But the Lord wants the hunger in our life to be so hot and so strong that it drives us to Him to eat and eat and eat more. And here's the thing. You don't get your hunger satisfied by eating the Word of God. Like Brandon Miller said, it only increases your capacity to eat more. Wow. That's what we need to get to. We don't want to get satisfied with a little snack. It, it needs to be something that is consuming and drawing and passionate being comfortable and having fullness in God are not compatible. Being comfortable and having fullness of God in our lives are not compatible. You can't have both at the same time. There must come up from us a cry that cannot be satisfied with anything else other than God. That's what spiritual hunger is. It's the God cry. It's like a fire. Spiritual hunger is a lot like a fire. How do you... What are the two reasons why fires die? Like Say it again, get closer. Okay, it's missing oxygen. So so let's say it's either about because of neglect or because of suffocation. Fires die from two, one of two reasons. Neglect, you just leave it to itself and eventually it burns out because there's not fuel, there's not oxygen given to it if it suffocates. But if you throw dirt on it, right? What happens?
What happens if you throw dirt on your fire? It takes away the oxygen and it can't burn. It has to have fuel and oxygen together to be able to burn. The same thing's true with our spiritual hunger. It dies in us or it wanes in us if we neglect or if we suffocate it. And in America, we are hugely in danger of doing both all the time. We are. Because we're so distracted with so many things that are good things, that are enjoyable things in life. We want to enjoy life. And, and we love to say that the Lord wants us to have an abundant life. And I, I don't doubt that He does. But what does that mean? Um, but by pursuing the world's idea of abundance, we miss God's idea of abundance. And we get distracted and we neglect the spiritual fire. I like these verses in 1 Timothy 4. Paul says to Timothy, Don't neglect the spiritual gift within you which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the elders. Now he's talking about his ministry gifts that are enabling him to minister, but this is the same for all spiritual passion in our lives. This is what he says. Here's Paul's advice. Take pains with these things and be absorbed in them. Okay, that's more than nibbling. That's being intentional about pursuing with passion. Take pains. Be absorbed in them so your progress will be evident to all. I'm going to read you this quote now. Prepare yourself. I like being convicted by truth. Do you? Yes. I believe that the people in my life that have blessed me the most and shaped my life the most are the people that have provoked me to hunger, sometimes to anger and irritation. But they provoked me. And we're actually commanded to provoke one another to love and good deeds. Right? So it's okay to provoke. We're just doing it in love. Here's what Piper said. If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it's not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for the great. Come on. The greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It's not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but endless nibbling at the table of the world. It's not the X-rated video, but the primetime dribble of triviality we drink in every night. We are obsessed in our culture with trivialities. Things that matter not. No, it sounds like a really bad third of but, but do you think that's a true statement? Yes. 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 Look on the internet. I don't care what kind of slippers you want. I don't care what kind of hair color you want. Okay? It, it's just everything is like true and makes there's no weight to it because it doesn't carry eternity. And we have to decide if we're going to be people that have substance or are we going to be people that are comfortable and have image. We have to decide that. If we're going to be people that have a persevering hunger for the Word of God. 
people that are filled with his word change it changes not only their life, but it changes the world. It really does. It changes their family, it changes their surroundings. The word of God is powerful. It doesn't just sit dormant. When it's alive inside, it actually does things. And so making sure that our heart is in a good place to be hungry for the word, like newborn babes. This is a commandment of the Lord. How is it that God commands us to be hungry? How can you command somebody to be hungry? How can God command us to be spiritually hungry? Do you agree that in this passage He commanded us to be spiritually hungry? He commanded us to crave and to long for His word. How is that possible? Well, I can't control that. Here's the deal. He is constantly working, I'm totally convinced, to place inside of us His desires. And he does. And it's like a fire. He starts it, and he puts it inside us and said, here. And we're like, steady, throwing dirt on that fire. And God, give me spiritual passion. He goes, okay, here's a light. Here it goes again. Blow on that. Put some fuel on it. Oh, okay, thanks for doing I've got people to see I've got my show to watch. We suffocate, gets neglected, we turn to other things. God is constantly starting the fire. I believe that. The Bible says in Philippians 2.12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it's God who works in you both to create the desire and the power to do His will. So he's creating desire inside of us all the time. How many have ever felt the drawing of the Lord in your life? How many have ever, you could testify that in your life, there have been times where you were just driving down the road and you felt that hollowness in your heart and you just said, God, I miss you. Mom. Yeah. I miss you. I miss you. I, I remember those times when I was out on the rock as a young believer and I'm just down on my face and I didn't know what I was doing. I was as dumb as a box of rocks, really. And I'm just crying out to the Lord saying, God, can you help me? God, can you help me? And he's like, yes. And he's manifesting himself to me. And I go back and there'd be a glow in my heart, even though I didn't know what I was doing. God was just drawing me to himself. And I think back on those times and I go, I remember the joy of just knowing that God was real and that he was drawing me to himself and that he was cleansing me from all of the defilement of my life that I had kept pouring into myself. He was cleansing me and making me new inside. Squeaky clean, as they say. So good. <coughs> Sometimes I say, I miss you. He's like, Lay aside the trivial things. Come on. Blow on the flame. If you come close enough, I'll blow on it. Put kindling on the fire. This is kindling. So many times reading it. There, there's times when I read the scripture where I just go, Oh my gosh. I really do. The Lord has upended my theology in a minute. I was telling somebody the other day, I was reading Revelation 4 or 5 years ago. This upended my theology. At that time, I'm at my desk. 
I'm reading in the hand. And I keep reading over and over again. And you know, I'm singing these, these uh, chapters all the time in this church. Worthy are you to receive glory and honor and riches and power and might and dominion forever and ever. And I was reading that one day. And the truth of it struck me so hard. I sat there and I put my hands over my face and I said, oh my God. I have been spending my life trying to get you to give me those things. When I should have been spending my life giving you those things. And my theology turned 180. This is not about getting you to give me anything. This is about my life being poured out and spent for you. Then you will have those things from my life. And it totally changed my focus. And all of my theology got blown up like a bridge. In five seconds. I haven't gotten over it. Y'all know that. I haven't gotten over it. What drives me is that Jesus gets the honor that he deserves in the midst of his people and from our lives. That he is supreme. That he is the focus. That he is the attraction. That he is the one that everybody comes to love and adore and see. That's what drives me. And that really happened in my heart. And <coughs> Still grows and builds on this thing. The word of God is so powerful and rich. Like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word. God commands us to long for and to crave because he always gives us, he's always giving us spiritual desire. He's always starting the fire over and over again inside of us. He just wants us to partner with Him and to blow on it and to feed it and to put kindling on it and to let it get hotter and brighter. And the story of all the revivals that you read and the story of all the spiritual heroes that you read are people that let God build a fire and started out really small and it became a stinking bonfire that everybody gathered around to feel the warmth and to watch the flames and to see the coals burn. That's really true. That person can be you. That person's you. Because God has called us all to carry the desire and the fire that He puts inside us. Long for the pure milk. This is point number four on my page 26. Long for the pure milk. Pure carries the idea of being unmixed and uncontaminated with impurities. One takeaway is that we should probably mostly focus on drinking the Word of God itself rather than mostly feeding on the comments and opinions of others about the Word. I read quite a bit. In my study, I've got a lot of books. But I do focus on feeding on the pure Word because there's nothing like it. I will tell you this, the most brilliant scholars in the world are biased. Just like you are. Come on. Right. 
Just like I am. Come on. But God's word is known. That's right. He will straighten out our bias. Come on. Honest with his word. Amen. Now be honest with it. Amen. When we read it and it cuts across our theology, we need to just stop there and go, okay. That's right. What's up? What have I been believing? I've had multiple times in my life where I just wanted to metaphorically spread everything on the table and go, God, why do I believe what I believe? <laughs> Let's make sure that there's a good foundation here. If it doesn't come out of here, it won't stand the fire on Judgment Day. Right. It'll be the wood hay stubble. That's right. And so I want, I want to pass through the fire with most everything intact if possible. <laughs> Y'all help me. Amen. The word of God is what points us in the right direction. The pure milk of the word. Focus on the pure milk. The words, I love this Psalm 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace on the earth, refined seven times. It's, it's pure. There's no impurity in it. That you may grow in respect to salvation. Again, we refer to that as being the final salvation to get us in the position that God made us for, created us for, to fulfill our destiny when we stand before Him. So how can we increase our hunger for God's Word? I want to refer you to Psalm 119. I've referred to it several times in this series. It is an amazing psalm. It is the longest chapter of the Bible. It is 176 verses for a reason. Because what it does is an acrostic psalm. There's probably eight or nine acrostic psalms in the scripture. What, what do I mean by that? They take sections of scripture and every verse in that section starts with the same Hebrew letter. That's an acrostic. And so Psalm 119 is amazing in this way. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And what it does is it takes every letter of the Hebrew alphabet and the first eight, so eight verses at a time. So you have 22 times eight is 176 verses. That's how it's laid out. But the first eight verses all start with the Hebrew letter Aleph. And the second start with the Hebrew letter Bet, which is the second letter. And it goes all the way through the Hebrew alphabet. Here's what David is doing. He's meditating on the scripture and the wonders of God's word. And he goes, A. It's these eight things that start with an A. B, it's these eight things that start with a B. C, it's these eight things that start with a C. Like, this is different than eating a Twinkie. This is eating a ten-course meal and going over it in minute detail and just digesting it and go, oh, isn't that amazing? Oh, you see through Psalm 119, and I want to tell you something. Almost every verse in Psalm 119 is a prayer. He's talking to God about His Word. Interacting with the Lord about His Word and talking to Him about it. Lord, you said this! I'll have conversations like this with the Lord. I can't believe you said that out loud. You said that in this synagogue! That is the most amazing... You are the most fearless man I have ever known! You are the most secure son that I have ever seen. You did not fear men at all. You just had one razor sharp focus of pleasing your father. I love that. Let that soak into my soul. Oh God, I want to be like you, Jesus. Help me to not fear the frowny faces 
and to seek the smiling faces and the thumbs up. Help me to seek the smile of the one who made me new in his son and do only what he tells me to do like Jesus said. This is so phenomenal. Jesus saying, I do not seek the praise of men. I'm like, you really don't? You're so different than me. Help me to be like you. To not seek the praise of men. Lord, I just want to seek to please the Father like you did. Whatever it costs. Rejection, sacrifice, death. It's okay. David took every aspect of the Word of God and he meditated on it over and over again. And I encourage you to take Psalm 119 because it's in the Bible for a reason. It is the chapter of passion for God's Word. David, David speaks about God's Word in Psalm 119 like he is having a red-hot affair with somebody. When I lay on my bed at night, I think about you. I can't get you out of my mind. I can't wait until the night watches when everybody else is asleep. I want to speak over and over again what you've said. So amazing. Now, can we can we admit that that's not how we relate to the word? Can we acknowledge that we don't have that kind of passion for the word God? Because if we can't acknowledge that, we're not going to gain. Can we acknowledge that that kind of passion that drove the Read it. He's praying. To the Lord, every verse, I think, except for four in this whole psalm. So 172 out of 176 verses, he's speaking directly to God about his word. Oh, I delight in your law. It's my meditation day and night. I love your word. It's more precious and valuable to me than thousands of silver and gold pieces. No, don't give me the winning lotto ticket. I want God's word. It's so precious to me. If there's a place that God wants to bring us, look, and not throw it out. And I'm not saying that I've arrived at anything. No. You would be mistaken to think that. I don't think that. But I'm going. And I'm going after the Lord. And I have tasted. I've tasted. I've tasted times. Right here, the rock of my world. And I felt so connected to the living God in my room because His Word was burning in me. He wants to bring us into a place like that. He wants to bring every one of His children into a place like that. We can take this Word. Take Psalm 119. These prayers are in there for us to pray. Just like the apostolic prayers in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians and Colossians, he put them in there because they're Holy Spirit breathed prayers. And when we connect our heart to those prayers, that fire gets inside of us. And so you can make the declarations and the affirmations that are in Psalm 119. You can pray the same prayers. Open my eyes. Take the scales from my eyes that I might behold wonderful things from your word. Teach me your
your ways. Teach me to walk in your ways. Train me according to your ways. I love your ways. Something happens inside of you. I'm encouraging you to take, look, you, you've, already got, you've already got the best coach to develop spiritual passion in your own heart. It's breathed by the Spirit. Psalm 119. And in here, David uses at least nine different names for the Word of God. Why does he do that? This is on page 27 if you want to look at it. He does that because every nuance and flavor, it's like he's eating. And there's different flavors to different words that describe the Word of God. So he calls it God's law, the Torah. And that emphasizes that God's words originate with him and they're the exact representation of his will. So when I read it, I go, God, this is your law. This is the exact representation of your will and what you desire and what you want. Let that be mine, too. Let my desire be connected with yours and what you want. Testimonies. They are the unchangeableness. It emphasizes the unchangeableness unchangeableness and the dependability of God's words. Your testimonies are sure. They don't ever fail. They're unchangeable. Precepts. It emphasizes the importance of paying close attention to even the smallest details. The Hebrew word for precepts refers to looking closely into a situation and taking appropriate action. So you're looking at the details of it. You're not just taking the big chunk. He, he's looking at the word from every angle. Can you see have you ever seen somebody that has something that's collectible to them and they're really proud of it? Have you ever seen that? I had a guy take me in his garage one time, right? And he had all of these uh, old muscle cars that he had totally restored. They were, they were amazing and beautiful. And he knew the story about all of them. Who had them, who owned them before, how he restored it, how much he paid for them, how much he cost. You know, this one guy had, in his garage, he made it to where there was lifts and he could have the two above, two below, and he had five in his garage. He goes, this one, I've got like $220,000 in it. And this one, and then they look at the paint job. That's amazing. He knows everything about those things because they're precious to him. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> You're afraid to even take these out of the garage and drive them. <laughs> but you love them. And it's okay. Coin collector, same thing. This is a 1901 BDD or whatever. Who cares? It's just they can talk away. No, but it's worth a lot of money. So, look, this is what David's doing with God's word. He is looking at every detail. He is relishing it in every detail. Statutes indicates God's words are his permanent values. It doesn't change. Commandments. It's not suggestions. The very authority of the Almighty is in his words. Ordinances. The words of Yahweh are the decisions of an all-wise judge. Ordinances are what a judge puts out there. The wisdom of God in what he says is remarkable. Word is just a general, all-inclusive word, meaning the totality of all that God has said. Promise, that which God personally spoke to you and his ways. Talks about Yahweh's defaults and his desires and the way that he operates. I pray a lot, Lord, show me your ways. I screwed up a lot of things in my life. There's situations where I don't see your ways, or I don't see, but I need to help you see your ways. 
and I feed on his words. Use Psalm 119 is my encouragement to you. Use it as a prayer journal. This is the prayer journal of a man who loved the Word of God more than all of us. He built his life around it. How many believe that if you pray these prayers, the Lord will answer them? Do you think that it will stoke inside of you a passion for his work? I've had people say over the years to me, like, I wish I had a passion for the word like you have. <clears throat> no, probably not. You want, you want to see that. But here, here's the invitation. It's right here. Pray these prayers. The Lord put those prayers in there so that we can pray them because he intends to answer them and to change our heart. But look, here's the thing. You've got to count the cost. If he starts putting that fire inside, you can't just walk away from it and ignore it and neglect that fire and let it go out. And you can't be shoveling dirt on it and go, oh, sorry, God, I've got to go watch my show now. That's right. <clears throat> Don't suffocate it. Feed it. Breathe it. Eat it. Drink it. I don't want to end tonight just by making some of the declarations. I do this a lot. I have several of these marked in my Bible. I'm in Psalm 119 in my Bible. I'm just going to read some of these. I'll just call out the verse and then I'm going to read it. I'm just going to go through several of them. These are declarations. 14. I have. Rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. 16. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. 20. My soul is crushed with longing. That sounds painful, but it sounds beautiful. My soul is crushed with longing after your ordinances at all times. 24. Your testimonies also are my delight. They are my counselors. 35. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. 40. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me according to your righteousness. 47. I shall delight in your commandments, which I love. 48. And I shall lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love. Come on. I think it's great. I want to go. 
and, and, and go wherever. I'm fine with all that. I have no problem with this. Not a, I throw it down. But you, you can either chase it or you can build it. Come on. I want to build it. I want to build it. Oh, 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. This dude is obsessed. Can you get that picture? He's obsessed. 103. How sweet are your words to my taste? Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. 111. I have inherited your testimonies forever. This is better than inheriting the estate of Uncle George. I have inherited your testimonies forever. They're the joy of my heart. Like making these declarations makes a connection with God's heart for his word for you. They are the joy. 113. I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your law. 119. I have removed all the wicked of the earth like dross. You have. Therefore, I love your testimonies. 127. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold. Yes, above fine gold. You, you notice that over and over again, he says, all the stuff that I have in this life, he's, 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 he's got some stuff. How many think David has some blame? Yes. Oh, yeah. Nice. Nice stuff. And he keeps saying over and over again, those are, those are like dirt compared to That's not what I delight in. I delight in your law and your word. It fires me up. Therefore, 127, I love your commandments above gold. Yes, above fine gold. 129, your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul observes them. 131, I opened my mouth wide and panted, for I long for your commandments. For real? God, oh, feed me your word. Trouble and anguish have come upon me, yet your commandments are my delight. 148, my eyes anticipate the night watches that I may meditate on your word. I can't wait till everybody else is asleep because I'm just going to stay up and think about your word. 159, consider how I love your precepts and revive me again, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great spoil. 163, I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your law. 167, my soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. 174, I long for your salvation, O oh Lord, and your law is mine. Delight. That's just a sprinkling of what's in here. But how many would like to have even a small measure that kind of passion. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm saying it is the Lord's desire. He put that song in there so that we could connect with His longing for us that we treasure His word like that. And I guarantee the more we treasure His word, the more our life will be transformed. You can't help it. It's alive. It shifts. It corrects. It gives adjustments better than any chiropractor. <laughs> Boom! Oh! -ho! Come on! Whoa. That's real. That's real. 
wants to upgrade our hunger for His Word. Because if we hunger for His Word more, then we're going to feed on it more for the rest of our lives. And if we feed on His Word more for the rest of our lives, it's going to change everything about us. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning or other weekly gathering, know that you're more than welcome. And if you'd like other resources on or about this ministry, or for any deeper questions you may have, be sure to visit our website at hotfmlakeland.com.